Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We have become so enamored with temporal blessing that we have forgotten about our eternal rewards. Eternal rewards are what have you done with the life that I gave you? We will all stand before his throne one day and answer that question alone. You and God, me and God, what did you do with the life that I gave you? So God is calling his church Back to the place of consecration. Before we leave here again, we will run to the altar of consecration. What you have seen take place here is a preview of what's going to happen in about 45 minutes. Except this time it will be for those that thought I'm good. I think one of the most difficult things to do is to really understand how serious God is. About what we do with our life. My wife is preaching in Virginia this morning. She's been there all weekend. She'll be there again tonight. She's probably done by now. I caught a little bit of her message and I thought I better turn that off. Before I fall on the floor in repentance and miss church. Actually, I said I better turn it off before I I get too much of that in my mind and I preach it. And then she's going to be mad at me. But I'm telling you, I'm going to let you go back to your seats. Uh, everybody can go down keyboard. Give me just, just keep playing until I finish the text, okay? The rest of you can go down. And uh, you can be seated. And I need Pastor Sean. Don't let me forget to pick up an offering at the end. You can be seated. I want to read out of Joshua this morning. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and he and all the sons of Israel set out to Shittim and came to Jordan, and they lodged there before they crossed. 
And at the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord our God with the Levitical priest carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. How many know that revival comes to those that go after it? Matter of fact, it only comes to those that go after it. However, there shall be between you and it a distance of 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, or you may know for you, excuse me, do not come near it that you may know the way which you shall go. For you have not passed this way before. Mm. And Joshua said to the people, a better translation would be Joshua commanded the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Lord, we need to hear your voice today. I pray you would speak clearly, concisely, coherently in this room, O oh God, as I am your servant and your voice today. I pray you would help me to deliver and to release this word, O oh Lord, over your people. And the people of God said, Amen. Give the Lord one more shout of praise this morning. Hallelujah. So I believe this morning, I believe that we, Fresh Start Church and the body of Christ in general, I believe that we are at a place of crossing over. As I was reading through the rest of this narrative, I come to this conclusion that there is a prophetic process in the scripture and the narrative, and I won't have time to work on all of it today, but that, that, that we have to understand that sustained revival has this prophetic process, and it is consecration, crossing over, and contending. That for revival to be sustained, for the people of God to continue to grow in the fullness of God, there must be a continual experience of consecration, crossing over, and contending, which all three lead to conquest or conquering. We know this through the narrative of the children of Israel. And we understand that this begins, this, this process begins at the place of consecration. Joshua is not asking them to consecrate themselves. He is commanding them. What does that mean? That means it is not optional. Obedience is expected. How many of you, when you give your child a charge or a command, obedience is expected? But when God speaks a command over his children. Obedience is expected. 
They had been at this point before. Here they are camping again on the edge of the promised land. Now this promised land represents the fullness of all God has prepared and promised and purposed for their possession. Over and over, he's already told them it's yours. Just put your foot on it. It's yours. I I, I made it for you. I created it for you. It's a holy land. I've always meant it for you. And so the previous generation stood at the same spot, but did not have the faith or the fierceness to possess a land that was currently occupied by the enemies of God. You see, when the church relinquished relinquishes its authority, then the land will be invaded by those who do not have a right to it. Joshua and the officers and the elders have already run through the camp. They run through the camp, giving them three days to count the cost. Three days we're going in. It wasn't we may go in. We might go in. But in three days, we're going in. I know 40 years ago at the same spot, they turned around and went back. But this time we're going in. We're going in. We're going all in. This time, we're not turning around. This time, we're not letting fear overcome us. This time, we're not letting our faith be weak. This time, we're going in. You can go with me or you can stay out, but we are going. As for me in my house, we're going. See, I've called this consecration the all-in generation because I believe there's a remnant in the earth that have made up their mind. They're going in this time. Even knowing there would be casualties in the conquest. They counted the cost. And Joshua says, we've been here three days on the edge, on the verge, on the brink. This breakthrough this time, we're going in. He said, on the fourth day you shall rise up and you shall follow the presence of God into the fullness of our inheritance. Now, let me stop here and, and, and kind of make this uh, somewhat uh, useful to us in that for us today, we know that the children of Israel's promise was a literal land. They still possess and dwell in it today. It was their land. God made it for them when he created this planet. It was created for them. It was to be their land. For us, when I talk about going in in an inheritance, I'm talking about a spiritual inheritance. For us, here at First Star Church, we call it the fullness of revival. The promised land is the fullness of revival. It is the sum total of all who God is 
and all that he has promised. See, I live with the conviction that revival is a promise. Because God has done it biblically. And because God has done it historically. I believe it is a promise. And when you believe something is a promise of God, then you got to lay hold of 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises of God in him are yes. And in him are amen to the glory of God through us. Well, one, one theologian said that this text means it is through Christ that we hear and believe God's promises and say the declaration of our faith. Amen. Amen meaning that's right. That's right. That's right. I don't know about you, but I hear it. Every time the church, out of the sincerity of their heart, comes a raw cry. God, we need revival. God, we want revival. We want the fullness of who you are and all that you promised, God. I hear it coming out of the echoes of heaven. It's That's right. That's right. That's right. That's exactly what I want to do. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, they called him says what he has done once is a prophecy of what he intends to do again. I say do it again, but do it more. Do it again, but do it bigger. Do it again, but do it greater. Do it again, God. Oh, shake this planet with your glory. Shake the nations with your glory. Shake America with your glory. I tell you, there's an awakening about ready to break out over this nation. Had a pastor text me last night. Apparently, he saw it on social media or, or um, on the news or something. And he said, man, he said, the devil sure picked the wrong city. The devil sure picked the wrong city. I texted him back. I said, awakening is on. Awakening is on. Awakening is on. Awakening is on. Ah, the devil always oversteps his boundaries. And when he reveals his desires, that means awakening is on. When he shows up so blatantly, that means God is revealing to us the plans of the enemy. And somebody, Ecclesia, is going to stand up and tell it to go back to hell. And this is what we have to understand about promises. Promises are not just what God intends to do for us, but is what he intends to do through us for the glory of God. God is so fascinating, isn't he? Well, he wouldn't be God if he was not. You, you, you know, everything God does is redemptive. It's redemptive. What, what I mean by that is everything God does is connected to something else. 
In the time God's moving, it's too, when God really is working, it's way, way bigger than just working on me. Now, 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 now understand there is a personal level of redemption. There, there, there is this, this, this redeeming power of God in my life and in your life. See, the fact that we're all in this room means somehow redemptively we are connected. We're called to the same thing. Since this God has graced my wife and I to, to lead this house and, and, and to shepherd this house and to apostolically and prophetically guide this house, uh, since God has done that, that wasn't my doing. That was God's doing. I just tried to say yes. But because you're here, and you're not just here to watch, you're here because you're connected to the vision of revival to a nation and to the nations and to the world and awakening to the nations and the nations of the world because that burns in you. Redemptively, we are connected. So God brings us all in this house and redemptively, individually, God does a work in us. You say, well, I don't really like what's going on here. Then you may, you're probably in the wrong house and you're probably not redemptively connected. I can't make you that way. That's just the way it is. That's not my job. That's way above my pay scale. That's Holy Spirit's job. So personally, we understand that, 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 that it's about how he has redeemed me and you. And then he works in our lives. And obviously, this, this isn't the only level of people you're connected with. You have family. You have friends. You have coworkers. We have different people. Our, our connections, connections can make life wonderful, fulfilling. Or they can just wreck it. If you get the wrong connection. See, connectivity is about how God can use us in the redemptive plan, the big plan, the big picture. As long as we can stay small in our own eyes, God can elevate us to have redemptive impact in a huge way. Yes? Everything God does is redemptive. So everything he does is connected to something. Now watch this. And that something, most of the time, is ahead of us. I've already lived yesterday. You've already lived yesterday. There's not much left for me yesterday. But today and tomorrow, there's something that lies ahead. And redemptively, God's already connected me with my tomorrow. Lord, help me preach this. That, that, that we have to understand. This is maybe why Joshua uh, told the children of Israel... Listen, we're going in tomorrow. So when you see the Levitical priest standing with the ark on their shoulders, 
moving toward the raging Jordan River, then you need to get up and follow them. This is important because you see, they had to follow the presence. Why? Because he said, this is not a familiar place for you. The crossing event that you are about ready to experience is not familiar because you have never gone this way before. Don't try to do it without the presence going in front of you. Because you will drown, you'll get wet, it's going to be a big mess. But if you wait till tomorrow... See, to move Israel wasn't, wasn't a small feat as a people. And to move them from the wilderness into a promised land was absolutely a redemptive act of God. Because no longer would they just be getting by and wandering in the wilderness. But in this crossing the Jordan, they would finally take their place as a nation. And they would begin to fulfill God's redemptive plan of Israel as a nation. No longer just a people, a nation. But he says you got to wait. Until tomorrow. That, that, that fascinated me. I don't know why. I'm a simple-minded man. But I'm thinking, it's been 40 years. Why not yesterday? Why not today? Come on, Joshua. Why not the day after? Could it be that Joshua, as the apostolic leader of this nation was responding to an inner set time. He knew prophetically that he couldn't go yesterday. He couldn't go today or the day after. He only could go tomorrow. This is our moment. This is a set time. If I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times to you. You got to get it and you got to get it deep in your spirit. God is not random. God is sovereign. God is intentional. God is strategic. He is a strategic God. God had a reason. God had a purpose. It was already designed from the beginning of time. Uh, before there was an Abraham, there was already a nation, a nation that would what he would live, that would walk in to the promised land on that day, on tomorrow. That would be their day. See, when you talk about a set time biblically, you talk about those moments in time where God has chosen to reveal himself, releasing his power and doing remarkable things. It's all through our Bible. See, time, somebody shout time. Time is a major element of God's redemptive 
plan and the generation that happens to be alive during those moments and during those times usually become a people who mark the moment for the glory of God. When God says, I'm getting ready to do something remarkable, I'm getting ready to do something dynamic, I'm getting ready to do something that marks history, then there's a certain people that have been set in place for such a time. Joshua knew it was their time. It wasn't yesterday. It wasn't today. It was tomorrow. And tomorrow is what we have been born for. I just got to let you know this. Any moment, any moment, God can shift, can shift you from waiting on it to walking in it. Because when tomorrow came, They stepped into that Jordan and walked across and put their feet on what they had been waiting for. I don't know, you may be 24 hours away from the promise that you have been waiting on. And you said, whoa, Lord, why didn't you do it yesterday? Why didn't you do it today? Oh, Lord, whoa, Lord, when are you going to do it? I don't know, but you might be 24 hours away from a sovereign marked moment that you're getting ready to stop waiting on your blessing and your miracle, and you're getting ready to begin to walk in it. We may be only 24 hours away from seeing the wonders of God's glory power poured out on this church, on this city, and on this nation. Hey! Hmm. Noah, Abraham, Moses, Joshua, They all served God at such a time. Joshua held on to the prophetic promise for 40 years. And now he stands at the place of possession. He said, tomorrow, I'm going to get to consecration. Just hold on. We shout now. We'll cry then. He said, tomorrow, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, we will see God do amazing things. When I first read that, I'd actually preached out of that text before, and I was just looking at some notes on that, and the last time I preached that, I preached that it's our time. Tomorrow is our time. But no. The Holy Spirit said, no. It's not your time. It's my time. (laughs) 
Because what God's about ready to do cannot be described by any other word but amazing, 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 amazing. Please understand it's his time. We've had enough of our time. We have had enough of our time. We have had enough of our personalities. We have had enough of our, our, our Christian TV stars. We have had enough of this and enough of that and the showmanship. We have had enough. We have had enough of playing church and messing around, coming in and going out. It's his time. It's his time. Stop. Stop waiting for your time and begin to declare it's his time. Consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. Okay. You know, one of the dilemmas in the modern church is what I call dying words. Words that we quit using in our preaching and in our teaching, and in our doctrines. Because you see, if you stop using a word, the next generation won't just lose the word. They'll lose the power of that word. They lose the meaning of that word. They no longer experience what that word defines when you take a word away. One of those words is the word consecration, along with many others. If you've come into the body of Christ the last five years, you may have a really difficult time understanding what righteousness is, what holiness is, what sanctification is. You might find it hard to believe that you have been justified in Christ because you don't even know what justification means. I'm talking about those that have just come into the body of Christ in the last five years because we have taken those out of our preaching. Believe it or not, you're going to be glorified one day. We don't understand rapture, tribulation, hell, heaven. The cross is too bloody. We talk about it anymore. So we take those out of our messages and we only talk about love. and We don't talk about wrath, anger. The reason I, I, I'm starting right here is because, see, revival demands that we go back to words that others have conveniently chosen to ignore. It's... Uh, but Joshua and his elders have run through the camp. You must consecrate yourself today to experience the promise tomorrow. Then and now, the God is calling his people back to consecration. You see, 
There is a general consecration. I'm going to teach. And then there is the call to consecration. When you study the word consecration, you will see it's, it's surrounded by words and phrases like sanctified. Separated out of. Dedicated to. To make holy unto a higher purpose. I love that one. To be separated, sanctified, dedicated, and to be made holy to a higher purpose. Consecration is the place of revelation that we have been set apart for a higher purpose. This is important for us to get a hold of because you see, every next level in your life demands a different you. And when God gets ready to move a church, a corporate gathering of people to a next level, it demands a different us. You, 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 you see, if you have been feeling unsettled, It's because you have been created for more. You are meant for much more. But you can't get out of your own way. I can't get out of my own way. I keep messing up. So when God says, Consecrate yourselves. He was speaking to a people. And he was letting them know. Because they knew. This was consecration wasn't new to them. Maybe new to us. Wasn't new to them. They got it all the time. That there had to come to a point. There had to come to a place. Joshua saying we're getting ready to cross over. I'm not sure that I understand everything that's over there. But I know this, I'm called to be over there. I spent 40 years in the wilderness, and I am unsettled. I am unsatisfied. Could it be possible to be hungry for God? Could it be possible to be in humility before God and forget to be holy? Could I come to this church because I'm hungry for him? I've had enough of the wilderness church. Can I, can I come here because I'm in humility? Because I know that if I can't find him, I can't live without him. I can't do nothing without him. I can't take my another. I've got to find God. But the missing element to the fullness of my crossing over is I must come to the place of holiness. You can help me this morning if you want to. You see, when God calls us to a higher purpose, 
our delay in obedience leaves us in a daze. I, 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 I'm dazed and, and I'm confused. I, I don't know what to do. To, I, I don't know. Should I read my Bible? Should I pray? Doesn't matter. Should I go to Gap? I don't know. Should I get up and go to Sunday morning encounter? I don't know. I don't know what to do anymore. I don't know what to do with my spouse. I don't know what to do with my kids. I don't know what to do anymore. What's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. There's a call to consecration. And until we answer the call, things ain't right. They look right. They should be right. But they ain't right. (sighs) You see, my friends... The gap between the life that we are living and what we are called to is surrender. I've come to this conclusion, and I may be wrong. I don't know if there is a place of complete consecration. Because there seems at strategic times, the call goes out from heaven. Consecrate yourselves. I've got a higher purpose, God says, but I need a people. That are consecrated. I'm ready to show off. It's my time, but I got to have me some people. See, consecration requires a deeper repentance and a greater surrender. If you think you've outgrown repentance because you've been in revival for five and a half years, my friend, you have not. For you see, to stop growing in repentance is to stop growing. There's this constant turning. Y'all know repentance is, is, is when we turn. Away from God. When God turns, it's revelation. Because he reveals another side of himself. When we turn, we're turning from self and sin to the revelation of God. A new revelation. This is the wonderful thing about God. When you, when, when you, when you fall and you mess up and you say, okay, I got to start over. You never go back to the very beginning. You, you get up where you fell down and you get up and you see Revelation. That's why some of us are afraid to admit that we fall because we're afraid people think, well, you better go back to your first grade. No, 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 no. You don't go back to first grade. If you fell in fifth grade, you get up in fifth grade and you get your eyes on sixth grade because you'll get it ready. I just need a greater revelation. For Israel, consecration was about washing off the previous season of the wilderness. They'd been there a long time. And they were dusty. And they were dirty. Wearing the same clothes. Same shoes. 
God provided for them, but my goodness, for 40 years, it's like, can you provide me a new clothes? When I was thinking about that, I thought, well, okay, garments, garments. That's what it talks about in, it's, uh, throughout the Old Testament. Consecrate yourselves, wash your garments, wash your garments. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, you need to tell them. We need to wash our mantles. Because even though we've been carrying the mantle of revival for six and a half years, let's just get real. Living in this world is hard not to get contaminated by the filth of this world. Just walking through it. Just walking through it. And, and before we realize it, it's all on our garments. It's all, it's all, it's all on our garments. And they, they, they knew that in order to cross, they were going to have to wash their garments. They knew they're going to have to wash their garments. They were going to have to wash the residue of a previous season of their wondering. Let me tell you something. God is calling you to cross over this morning. And he's calling you before you can cross over. Go Go ahead and let me wash those garments. Let me wash those mantles. Come on, some of y'all, it's been a while since you've even thought about the fact that you need a spiritual bath. You need a spiritual detoxication. You allowed yourself so much garbage coming in, but I have come to tell you, our God knows how to wash garments. Our God knows. He knows. That's why he said that his blood will wash us and make us clean and make us holy. I want you to know that's why he said, we are washed by the word. He said, if we walk in the light as he is in the light and have fellowship with one another, that he cleanses us from all sins. That's a washing. That's a cleansing. That's a covering. Listen to me. You need to take time and let God cleanse you. Yes. Today, God, today, God, so then we understand revival presses the issue of consecration. Churches are being filled all over our nation today. And there is no level of call to consecration. But revival will press the issue. If you call yourself a revivalist, you say, I want revival, pastor. We need revival, pastor. I want it in my house. I want it in my marriage. I want it with my children. I want revival in the church and the nations, Lord. Then you have to understand If you want to be comfortable and you want to be comfortable in your relationship with God, I don't recommend that you go to a revival church. I'm just trying to help a brother and a sister out. 
If you say, I don't like this consecration stuff, you might want to find a different kind of church. There are plenty of churches out there you can go to that'll baby your comfortability. Don't pray for revival. Stop it. Because when it shows up, the first thing you're going to hear, consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself. You're not going to hear jump up and down. You're not going to hear lay out in the spirit. You're not going to hear uh, see signs, wonders, and miracles. What you're going to hear coming from the clarion halls of heaven is consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself. Because you got to follow my presence and you can't follow me without consecration. Don't do it. I'm trying to help somebody out. Because as soon as it comes out of your mouth, Lord, I want revival. But I like the world. And that's the moment that God starts ripping out, tearing up, taking off. What's he taking off those old garments? Oh, y'all ain't hearing that preacher. I'm preaching into a season right now. Do you know the word revival itself? Because we just kind of throw it around today. We're having revival, having revival service, having revival weekend, having revival Friday. The word itself means to live again. It's literally me. Revival. To live again. The, the, the understanding is, is that something is almost dead or dead. And God breathes life back into it. And it takes on the fullness of the life of God. It is revived. It is revived. So in real revival, I heard the Holy Spirit say. In real revival... Dead things must live, and living things must die. You can tweet that. Dead things must live in revival. The things that were dead deep in your soul. The things that were dead deep in your spirit. There was no passion. There was no love. There was no joy. There was no peace. It was all dead. But when you had that encounter with Jesus Christ and the spirit of revival, everything came alive. It came alive. Now your worship is alive. Your praise is alive. Your Bible reading is alive. Your witnessing is alive. It's all alive. But the crazy thing is, all oh, that's alive, but all the stuff that was alive must die. See, don't expect revival to be pleasant. I know there are some that already got discouraged. I've got some a little nervous this morning. You see, it, it, it won't be pleasant because it's painful. When we have to agree with God 
about our deep-seated narcissism. When we love ourselves so much. Because consecration is about dealing with sin and self. That's nothing to do with the devil. That's a whole nother ball of wax. But we have this issue called sin. Not really an issue. It's a principle that works in us. It's alive in us. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And then when we came to Christ, he made us alive. And now we still have flesh operating in us, not totally annihilated until we get to heaven. Until then, we fight on. We fight on. I said we fight on. You only got two choices, give in or fight. Ain't going away. We can bring it into subjection. We can bring it into the place of fasting and surrender. But the problem is it's always still there. It was D.L. Moody, the prince of priests, that said the problem with the living sacrifice is it keeps crawling off the altar. We finally get to the altar, and then a month later, I'm, I'm off the altar. Come on, we all know we got to fight that nasty booger. That thing called flesh, it wakes up inside of us. It can stir us to do things we never dreamed we would do or think. Go to places we never thought we would go to. Watch what we never thought we would watch. It is a nasty thing. But I come to tell you, God is saying it's time to go to the next level. I got to kill your flesh. Yes. Inbound says this about consecration. So consecration is not, not so much the setting oneself apart from sinful things, but rather it is the separation from worldly legitimate things that conflict with God's plan. Let me highlight that phrase, legitimate things. Worldly, legitimate things. What does that mean? That means things that inherently are not sinful. Unless they pull you out of your higher purpose. Since most of us in this room are not blatant sinners, and we don't run around sinning, 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 although we may have sins, and we may fall short, and we probably got some stuff we need to lay at the altar this morning, then we understand that. But let me talk about this legitimate things, because you see, these are not things that if we're not careful, that become idols, because we think they're okay. But what happens is, anytime anything gets between us and the plan of God over our life, and the high calling and the high purpose of God, then that thing, that thing must come to the place of consecration. Ian Bounds goes on to say the consecration which he accepts, talking about God, is to the full complete without mental reservation withholding nothing. This is why I've come to challenge you today to go all 
in. It's time that we take everything and lay it on the altar of consecration. Yes, I want to put my sins there under the blood, but there are legitimate things, my friends, men and women of God, that we must take to the altar of consecration. Somebody say yes. The reason this is really just a part of revival, and I do have to remind you, you're part of a revival church, just help you out. You came, I didn't make you come. You didn't come for me. I know that. Hopefully you came for Jesus. Holy, hopefully you came and said, today I want to get a little closer. Today I want to be a little closer. I walked in with this, but I don't want to walk out with this. See, the closer we get to God, the more of this world that we leave behind. It has to be that way because they are polar opposites and mutually exclusive and compatible. We can't be worldly and holy at the same time. And worldly doesn't mean you have sin, just it means that the legitimate things have become idols. One theologian said the human heart, the human heart is a factory for idols. It's creating them constantly. This is why periodically God calls his church back to the altar of consecration. It's too easy to fall into these things. To just grab us before we know it. And before we know it, we don't know what to do with our spiritual life. We stop, we stop doing ministries. We stop our high praise. Stop an accessory prayer. I would be there, but I, 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 you see, wherever sinful man. Whenever sinful man is in the presence of a holy God, he becomes painfully aware of his unholiness. And it hurts. I hope it hurts you today. I, 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 I don't want to cause you inappropriate condemnation or shame or guilt. I simply have come to let you know that we have a loving God that desires all your love. Could it be that in the last six and a half years of revival that we have allowed ourselves 
to move from the altar of consecration to the altar of convenience. I must wrap this up this morning because I must get us to the altar and then we got to pick up an offering. Hopefully. This is, this is what I'm learning. Is that revival places a demand on greater personal responsibility. Consecration is when God, because we're pressing closer, and this war that is going on, they kind of pull us back. But we're up here screaming, there's more. Don't stop. Keep pressing. And you're like, oh, I would. But it hurts. See, revival is when God starts poking at us. You ever had God poke at you? Hey. What do you think you're doing? What do you think you're doing entertaining that? What do you think you're doing? You're here. You're supposed to be there. You better thank God because that's a poke of mercy. That's a poke of mercy. That's a poke of grace. That's God saying, keep pressing in. It may be a little hard because, you see, the closer you get to me, the more holy you must become. I'm going to read two scriptures and I'll close. Are you ready? You're doing good? Personal responsibility. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, Personal responsibility. If anyone cleanses himself, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified or consecrated unto the master prepared for every good work. Consecration is preparation. It's separation for preparation for demonstration. I go on. Chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians, verse 1. Therefore, have these promises, beloved. Having these promises, beloved. The apostles loving on him. He's saying what he's saying because he loves them. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. How do we cleanse ourselves? By applying the blood of Jesus. How do we cleanse ourselves by reading the word of God, listening to the word of God, sitting under the preaching of the word of God? It is a clean, a cleansing agent. Every time you come to the house of God, there ought to be some level of spiritual cleansing because the fire of God cleanses us. The spirit of God cleanses us. We are to be a clean people. Here he says, cleanse yourself. The same thing Joshua said, consecrate yourself. It's time for we to go all in. It's time that we take responsibility for where we are today in our walk with God. Stop blaming the preacher. Stop blaming the church. Stop blaming this one and that one. 
stand up like a man and a woman of God and say, you know what? I have sinned, but I apply the blood. I get under the washing of the word, the spirit and the fire. I will cleanse myself that I might be a vessel of honor to his glory. Somebody shout yes. Everybody stand all over this building. As the musicians come. I believe today I'm looking at an all-in generation. An all-in generation. I have said all of that to get to this point. A.W. Tozier. He says, not dismissing, just we got a ways to go. In every Christian's heart, there is a cross and a throne. And the Christian is on the throne till he puts himself, personal responsibility, on the cross. If he refuses the cross, he remains on the throne. And he surmises perhaps this is at the bottom of the backsliding and worldliness among gospel believers today. Jesus is Lord. It's time for an all-in generation to rise up in a level of consecration. First, our church, refuse to back down in your consecration. They will be mockers, and I'm not talking about the unredeemed. There'll be those that says, it doesn't take all of that and you're going too far. That's a Pharaoh spirit. Do you remember when the children of Israel were trying to go out and worship? Pharaoh wouldn't let them go. And finally he said, okay, I'll let you go a little ways, but don't go too far. Religion says, I'll let you go a little ways, but don't go too far. I say, go all in. I believe this morning if we go in every addiction will be broken I believe this morning is a chosen moment and a sovereign time of God every weighty sin forgiven and cleansed as I was preparing and praying over this yesterday morning I heard the spirit say Actually, probably a few years ago now. I don't even know if y'all remember this. Y'all broke into a prophetic, uh, prophetic song, and it was, "I will be uncomfortable to make him comfortable." Y'all remember that? I will be uncomfortable to make him comfortable. It's time to make the break. It's time to break those things that are keeping you 
from crossing over this next place. You've been here before. We all have. When this thing first started, six and a half years ago, it was a call of consecration. And then God took us through amazing seasons. But the wonderful thing is it has a promise to it. Consecrate yourselves. The hardest battle you will ever fight is not against Satan and his demons. It's against self. Thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. You can order Pastor Kim's book, Doorkeepers of Revival, at doorkeepersofrevival.com. And you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.